Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Um, we're supposed to get some snow this weekend in Buffalo, but it's January, so why is the hell is that a surprise? Um, uh, Russ, uh, start us off with some pre-show stuff. Uh, well, well, I, I have a feeling you out. Yeah. I mean, baseball's been in the news. It's it's in a way, it's probably the best hot stove they had in years, even if it's negative press. But so Carlos Beltran stepped down. He was part of the uh, the Astros cheating scandal. the The two things about that that are interesting is the first one is I would never have hired him in the first place, and a lot of Met fans felt that way because he has no managerial experience at any level whatsoever. But the other part is the Mets had days to make sure this sort of sped up before we found out about his niece's burner account and everything else. And yesterday they had a day for Mike Piazza where they made a Mike Piazza drive in St. Port St. Lucie. And they, of course, asked the GM, Brody Van Wagenen, about this situation. And he basically commented, I'm only talking about Mike Piazza. But they didn't, they could have avoided that whole thing. And so to me, it's like, that's just part and parcel of the way the Mets handle things. The... The Altuve thing, I don't think we should all jump to conclusions. We don't know what that was under his jersey. What if it's a cross? What if it's like you don't know what it is? We don't know for sure he was wearing anything electronic. I think people are getting a little crazy with that. Let MLB sort of run its investigation and see where that goes. And then the the last part is with Mike Trout talking about taking steroids for, for a thyroid. Somebody in my family has had thyroid issues their whole life. Well, is that what it was, Russ? Because I mean, I didn't yeah. see the full ex- explanation. Okay. Yeah, and and so there's two types of thyroid problems. I don't want to be a doctor here and explain it all, but basically, if it's a low dose steroid that really helps you be normal for your thyroid, right. you have to take that. Otherwise, you can't function well as a human being. It doesn't necessarily aid him in being stronger or helping him on the field. So I would cool my jets with that. Kev, I, I, you know, I, I've been sort of amused by this slowly unfolding scandal in Major League Baseball because there's been chatter about the Astros cheating for a couple of years, and Major League Baseball didn't really address it until Mike Fires came out uh, and made the accusation publicly. And then, and and the funny thing is that yesterday. Uh, Jessica Mendoza, who's a reporter for ESPN, who also works for the Mets, um, sort of attacked Mike Fires initially about you know not going through channels and not handling it the right way. Thing is, do we know that this would have even been uh, something that would have led to a suspension and fines if they had kept it in house? I don't think so. Uh, I can't imagine. You know, it's such a complicated story because yes. sign stealing isn't illegal until you organize it to the level they did. Right. In fact, it's part of baseball tradition. The idea mm-hmm. of a guy standing on second base, peering in as the catcher, as the catcher uh, uh, tries to disguise his uh, and changes his rotation. You know, that's that's all part of it. And then trying to figure out how to let, let the batter know. You know what's happening. It's what's remarkable in all this is think about the um, 
I mean, this kind of speaks to the talent level of major league players, which is, okay, we all know how little time there is between recognition of what's being, the pitch being called and the windup beginning. So what the Astros did was um, stole that, uh, that uh, pitch, uh, you know, told the guy on the trash cans who signaled what was going on, and then a baseball player had to react in 1.2 seconds to take advantage of it. And the amazing thing is some of them can, which is really remarkable, uh, you know, when you think about it. But, um, you know, I, I've really been uh, impressed with uh, how baseball, you know, handled this. And I, I, the only thing I worry about is this could be the tip of the iceberg. I, I don't think they're the, ever, uh, the only team ever to find some measure of sophistication in their science dealing. Um, I would bet there's other teams that have, um, maybe not done it the exact same way, but, you know, had a system by which they were trying to help their their hitters. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you Kev, I, I went and tried out for the New Haven Cutters when I was in my 40s, really just, just to write a story. And, and I made the first cut, so I got to play in a simulated game. And the pitcher was on the mound, and he was throwing about 88 miles an hour. Now, it's not 100 like the majors, but I'm also a hack, right? And so one of my teammates – stole his signs and said, if he reaches deep into his glove, he's throwing a split finger fastball. So the hit that I got was an infield hit and it was off a split finger fastball because I knew at least that's what was coming. I just didn't know where it was going to be, but it is a big help when you get it. It's amazing. If you take that guesswork out, it helps a lot. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's tipping his pitches, which gives you a lot more time to react. Um, sure. you know, they, they were stealing signs, which is a much digger, you know, yeah, if you're watching really the whole, if you're watching a full wind up and and you know notice by how they're gripping the baseball or everything, that's a completely different thing yeah. than, than uh, you know a guy stealing what the catcher's putting down and then you're reacting to instant information of uh, you know a fastball or, or or a breaking pitch or or so forth and you know it, it, it's you know like I said first of all I think they've handled it well. Uh, but it's 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 really complicated um, because you know, because some sign stealing obviously is not illegal. Well, the funny thing is, and just to, we'll end this after after uh, in a couple seconds here and then get to the hockey stuff. But um, the guy who sort of broke this on Twitter is a, a he goes by John Boy J O M B O Y on on Twitter. He was the one who came up with the video uh, that had the the banging of the of the garbage cans. Um, he was on uh, the Michael K show uh, yesterday and talked about how apparently most major league teams are using an app that was developed by uh, a, like a little league coach that essentially plots the sequence of the what the catcher puts down uh, in terms of numbers. It's fed it's fed into this app and then as they go through and they go through it diagnoses what the what the actual pitch is going to be it, it does it by some sort of uh, mathematical um, you know um, analytics or something something of that nature so all the teams are using this so, so that it must pass muster for major league baseball but the stuff that's going on in terms of whether there's a buzzer on somebody's uniform, I mean, it's it's getting into like CIA kind of stuff. It's getting a little ridiculous. Well, I do like the idea if they're going to use the Apple Watch and that's how the catcher and the pitcher are going to communicate. That's good because that is instantaneous. And Kev, it does bring up the thought that why do we use the bullpen phone anymore? Why can't we just text it? 
It doesn't make sense. The bullpen phone doesn't make sense. Well, it does, but you know now that someone's going to be, you know, they're going to, they're in addition to an analytics guy, you're going to have a, a computer hacker who <laughs> will hack into the Apple phone. Right. You know, he'll be setting in your dugout. Right. You know, with this thing, trying to figure it out. And, you know, he'll say about the second inning, I got it, you know, and then they'll, you know, they'll decode it. it you know, <clears throat> the level of sophistication, I, I just saw um, two people having a conversation about, you know, the role of manager now. You know, we talked about the, the other day about, you know, reading that the new Browns uh, coach in the NFL having to submit his game plan to the analytics department on Friday to see if it's viable from an analytics perspective. Well, we're reaching the point now where a baseball GM is going to say to a manager, you have to use the uh, analytics to determine your move. Uh, I mean, can we just do this electronically from, uh, you know, just have a, a gatekeeper to make all the baseball decisions as they, the days of the manager going to be, uh, you know, out the door, everything will be done by statistics. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it just seems like the human element is getting diminished as we. Well, move. manager still has to have a gut feel, though. On sometimes pulling a pinch hitter. Well, I, I think you and I believe that, but I'm saying is, is it possible that that we're going to reach that point where someone will say that? You know. Um, yeah, I mean, communi communication is allowed in the NFL between the press box and the coaching staff up there, and the coaches down on the down on the on the ground, and even on the quarterback. Yeah. So you would think that Major League Baseball might get on that page and develop some sort of communication system between the pitcher, the catcher, and maybe the manager, so they can verbally do the signs instead of actually having to go through the whole thing. But you're right. If if somebody had you know. Somebody, a lot of people believe the election was hacked three years ago. Uh, so you know, like, do you think it's going to be a challenge to hack the you know the uh, the communications of of a, a pitcher, a catcher, and a manager? Probably not a problem. But. They should yeah. just use ham radios. Nobody uses them anymore, so they'll be hard to hack. <laughs> CD radios. Yeah, you know, it is interesting, but um, our our little sport uh, and probably basketball are the two sports where um, in-game analytics um, aren't as crucial as the other two sports. Um, you know, uh, you know, in, in football, because there's play calling, there's you know, communications and there's hackability there and there's things that can be stolen. You know, you can stand and w uh, watch how those two guys on the sideline are sending in plays and, you know, we certainly can do this in baseball because we're dealing with it now. At least in hockey, there are no, you know, plays that, uh, you know, although we seem to be worried about it because we cover up, uh, our coaches cover up their mouths when they're talking to their assistant coaches, you know, on the bench. So, And when they're using the whiteboard for like that last play of the game and stuff, they don't leave it out there. Well, you know. that, that, that's why Babcock used to draw his plays on the top of the uh, the dasher on the bench and then wipe it off. I think they wiped it off after yeah. he was done with it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, you know, all, that, know what, all the things, they used to be sort of lackadaisical about the game plan that they would leave up on the board when sometimes when we get in there as the media, now it's completely wiped clean. We see nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, going back to baseball, I, you know, again, this is all part of the same conversation. You know, I think still managers believe that uh, that's when to change pitchers, um, the human element of that is still in it. But apparently, 
uh, and I really didn't, you know, paid much attention to this, is that you can easily divine a, um, uh, a program that will kind of speak to when's the proper time to, uh, you know, change pictures uh, and who should come in at which time. And, and going well beyond, you know, what the guy's numbers are against the next batter. Um, just, you know, how he does in certain situations. And, you know, it's just so complicated, uh, you know, like, um, you know, we get into that point, but it, it almost takes some of the fun out of it, you know, so. All right, well, let's get started with some hockey talk. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, January 17th, 2020. I'm Russ Cohn from Sportsology. I'm Kevin Allen, and I'm a free agent. <laughs> 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 and I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, let's start with this because um, as Russ and I were at the CHL Top Prospect game in Hamilton last night, um, I was checking my phone, uh, checking Twitter, watching a little of the Leafs game against uh, Calgary on my phone, which is a beautiful thing. And the video came out of Dougie Hamilton's injury uh, last night, and Kev, uh, it was a bad one. He's already been diagnosed with a broken fibula. He is out of the All-Star game, obviously, being replaced by Jakob Slavin. Um, and this is a big loss, and it was a 3-2 loss for uh, the Hurricanes against Columbus. This is a big loss for Carolina because Hamilton, over the last few years, has been criticized for being sort of a one-way offensive defenseman. He was playing a lot better this year and probably arguably their best defenseman and now probably out for the season. Yeah, and he's a shot machine. Um, you know, he just gets shots on goal, and, you know, he is an important uh, player in that office. And if, you, if you're if you a strong believer in Corsi um, in terms of, you know, just getting shots uh, at the net, yeah, this guy never saw a shot that he didn't like. And right. that's important uh, to the – to the Hurricanes in terms of their offense. So this is, and that, you know, they have so much talent on their defense that in one uh, respect, you can say, well, you know, they can overcome that. You know, they still got, uh, you know, Slavin. They, you know, they have a, uh, a defense that has a lot of uh, credible players. But part of who they are is that big-time defense. And Mm-hmm. Um, I, and because of that, uh, I think it's uh, it's going to it's going to be an adjustment for them. Like they're pretty heavily dependent on you know having a, you know a deep defense, and you know you're not gonna you're not gonna go into trade marketing and find a Hamilton uh, no. guy that can create that kind of uh, uh, offensive uh, charge or spark. Um, so I think this is a tough. And especially in that division, which is a very difficult division, and it's going to affect everything. This is a, this is probably as a big a loss as we've seen this season. And Russ, I, I think you know, like I said to you last night, this could mean that Jake Bean gets called up from Charlotte, but it could also mean a guy who has been rumored to be being shopped by Don Waddell, which is Jake Gardner. Um, you know, and he's only in year one of a four-year contract and has not played well. I thought he was, I think he's, he was leading the team in minus for plus minus, but now with Hamilton on, if he's Hamilton's out for the rest of the year, you know, a puck moving guy like Gardner maybe gets a bigger role there. Yeah. I could see him getting elevated. He certainly could take a lot of shots. He could handle a power play easily. Jake Bean is another one that definitely could come up and it's not going to be the same, like Kevin said, but they'll make the adjustments. It will hurt them somewhat. I mean, you worry about more what it does to the goalie 
or the goalie that they decide to go with. Because right now, I'm assuming it's Morozik. And yeah. we'll see what it does to him more than even how it affects the rest. I think they can get past the rest. But we'll see what it, that part does to him. Kev, I heard this. Uh, I was listening to the um, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick's 31 Thoughts podcast last night on my way back from Hamilton, and they were talking about Carolina, and this is before the injury, but they said, and, I, and Russ and I have been talking about this as well, the big question with Carolina is the goaltending. I've never been a big fan of James Reimer. He's been up and down. He's had a little up this year, but he's still, I, I think, questionable as a go-to guy in the playoffs, and Mrazek was, you know, was there for them last year, but you know from him his history in Detroit, he's sort of an up and down guy. The talk is with Chicago that they're going to trade one of Crawford or Leonard and that Carolina was in on Leonard before he signed with, um, with the, with the Blackhawks. Does that make any sense for you in terms of Leonard possibly to uh, Carolina? Well, I mean, uh, from the outside looking in, it does, but that doesn't take into account is, is that, I think Carolina really likes Morozik. Um, and I think this is one of those cases where, um, you know, uh, the, the people on the outside, and because logic dictates that, you know, they're a really good team and they should go out and get a goalie who has a more proven record, a little bit more consistent. But inside the organization, um, I think there's pretty good trust in Morozik. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been pretty good at home and, uh, you know, he joined them uh, just for a chance to start and, um, I think they believe in him. They see him as a battler. Uh, so I'm not so sure they would do that. Uh, and I also think that, um, you know, they sort of view, I, I don't want to say they're the king of analytics, but I, I think they believe enough in their defensive play that they feel like they can kind of kind of not, not plug a goalie in and it would be the same no matter who they got. But right. I think they believe with the way they play, if they get a credible performance out of their goaltender, you know, they can win. So they don't, you know, need uh, uh, somebody to, uh, you know, uh, save their bacon uh, with, uh, you know, a big goalie game. So I would be surprised at that, but I understand why people, uh, you know, see it that way. Um, Because if you look at, you know, where's their Achilles heel, it does seem like that, you know, it's in goal. But I think they like Morazic. I mean, they'll be active at the deadline. They'll certainly have cap space. But remember, they got Justin Williams. That's a good acquisition right out of the gate when he's ready to play. Yep, and uh, we're joined by Eck. Hello, Hello, everyone. Good timing. We just talked about Dougie Hamilton. Um, let me let me just start with this, and then you know I'll hand it over to you, Eck. Um, mm-hmm. Yesterday, there was some comments made by Matthew Perot of the Winnipeg Jets regarding an elbow from Jake Vertanen that didn't even get a minor call. Um, he expressed his displeasure at the fact that there wasn't even a, uh, there wasn't a call there wasn't any kind of review for supplemental discipline um this is sort of on uh, going in the same vein as the um problem with some, that some people had that Matthew Kachuk didn't get uh, uh, reviewed for supplemental discipline for his hits on Zach Cassian. There's been a war of words going on between Cassian and, uh, and and the Flames that apparently resulted in Bill Daly and Colin Campbell calling both Treliving and Ken Holland to basically telling telling them to cool the, cool their jets. I mean, I first of all, I love this stuff. I want I, I want heated stuff between the Battle of Alberta. I want them these guys knocking each other like, like crazy on the ice. But wh- wh- why does the NHL have to sort of like put try to put the kibosh on it? 
Well, I, I, I don't get it either. I mean, what makes the NBA so popular is, is those guys speak their mind. And to be honest with you, I, that's how I felt when I was reading that yesterday is that this feels almost NBA-ish, you know, where a guy just comes out and says exactly what he feels and let the chip <laughs> fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Um, You're on right. That's exactly uh, Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, because I didn't have any problem with it. I, but, you know, I get it. I mean, that's the – the league's job to uh, uh, to go and sit on the guy and say, you know, why are you doing that? But I'm sure, you know, within the dressing room, I think they'll probably got everyone all fired up. So I mean, it, it, it's know. funny, Kev, because in regards to Perot, you know, I watched the video and then he walked it back today. He's only sorry he told the truth. Like he basically said, next game, I guess I'm going to have to take care of it. I'm a small yeah. guy. I'm going to get it, get my stick and I'm going to put it to his head. And we always hear, you know, how many times have I said it this year? Players will take care of things that the refs don't. The refs need to do the, the, the job here. That's the problem. Well, the, the, the question is whether it would satisfy everyone in the in the flames Oilers scenario because everybody, you know, the the, the situation that would resolve it is, is Cassian fighting um, f- fighting Kachuk. But Kachuk is not a heavyweight, and Cassian is. And Cassian is, I think, well, for the Oilers, he's a top six forward, but he's not really a top six forward. Um, and Kachuk is probably one of the best players on on the Flames, if not if not the best. Would it satisfy the uh, appetite if Lucic fought Cassian? You know, would that would that disarm everything? I, I don't think it would because no. it's involving Kachuk. Yep. No. Uh, well, I, you know, you never know how it's going to play out in, in terms of how. How it will be reviewed, but uh, you know, I I don't think so. Uh, I mean, yeah, I so. the way this needs to be resolved is not today. Like, right. in, in other words, because we're too far into the season, the points are too important. Right. You let it go. But yeah. you know, in the old days, you know, you know, uh, the uh, the late Stan Makita told me one time that Gordy Howe waited like several years <laughs> to repay him for an event, and. You know, he ended up getting an elbow to the face, and you know, Gordy essentially said, "You know, that was for 1952, 53, or whatever it was." <laughs> you know, I don't remember what it was. And you know, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but just a little bit. Like, you know, this needs to be resolved up the road, and you know, sometimes that's because Kachuk's always going to have to have eyes in the back of his head when Cassian's on the ice. Right. That can be just as. Uh, powerful and impactful as if he did something on the ice because he's got to worry about Cassian. Yeah, that's oh, I kind of wish they both were in the All-Star game so they could take care of it there. <laughs> that would spice things up. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't it? It would be it would actually be quite yeah. quite fun. But I, you know, I I, I get it. Like, uh, you know, I had a conversation with Tom Laidlaw, the former NHL player, about this. And, you know, I, I said, like, who's right here? Like, I mean, I, I, I think Kachuk is absolutely right when he says, you know, that's not a good trade for us. Like, right. you know, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I can't go fight him because um, I guarantee he's not afraid of him, um, you know, but it's not a good trade. And in the playoffs in particular, we hear that all the time Yeah, you know, saying, you know, we can't have that trade. So, you know, just don't let it lie. Uh, everyone knows how Cassian feels about it. And at some point next year, next preseason, two years from now, we'll see what happens. Exactly. No, I, I like. I mean, I agree. I, I, I told I told Kevin this story recently, but um, it's a funny story. I always remember with my daughter, um, when she was uh, she was only seven years old and playing in her first like soccer thing thing, 
and she got knocked over on the on the field and i was i was one of the like dad coaches coaching you know we rotated the coaching and all that as dads at that point and she came to the side and i said are you okay and she's like yeah yeah i'm okay dad i got i got her number that's what she said to me at seven <laughs> <laughs> i got her number and i'm like you got her number and she's like, yeah, you know, you know how you get you know, when a when you, when a hockey player gets knocked down, you say he got his number. I'm sure he got his number or whatever. I was never so proud. Like, uh, just like it was a moment of yep. absolute glory for me, even though, you know, soccer is not an eye for an eye sport. <laughs> but, um, I, uh, you know, I, I do miss the, uh, you're right, that you're Gordy with those guys. And you remember, it, I remember as a fan, like going to Flyers games with a season ticket holder as a kid waiting for like Thomas Sandstrom to come back to town. Like, I remember that, like, feeling, you know what I mean? Or Ty Domi to come back to town. And just like that kind of stuff was so, you know, well, to me that you just, and you knew something was going to happen and you knew like, yeah, and I wasn't reading the papers because there wasn't really that much news then, you know, I mean, there, were, there wasn't like the internet then, but I knew as a fan that there was a, there was a score to be settled. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And the, and the media fanned the flames, you know, yeah. back then, like, uh, because, you know, especially in the seventies and eighties when, you know, when somebody would come in and there was a history between the two, you'd go, you know, what can we expect tonight? And oftentimes you would see that. The only, yeah. you know, I, I have a problem with that, though, because, you know, people have forgotten that, you know, uh, there were uh, the hockey was viewed outside the hockey world as just having cartoonish violence and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I will. I want to tell one more Gordy story because it's one of yeah. my favorites. Uh, and that is, is that. Um, and Gordy told me this whole story. There's a famous incident that uh, Gordy Howe went into the corner with Tremblay in Montreal. And when he came out, Tremblay was laid out on the ice. And there's two elements to the story. And uh, Bill Gadsby, uh, who was Gordy's best friend, was on the Red Wings. And he sat next to him. And he said to Gordy, what, what happened? Uh, you know, how did Gordy? And Gordy shrugged. And he said, I don't know. Maybe my thumb got up in his eye. <laughs> That's all I and, and he said, "Oh, okay." He said, "Yeah, you know, that can happen." Sure. So he said they went to dinner and they had, you know, steak and went to bed the next day. And he got up the next morning and he opens up and the headline in the sports is Tremblay suffers a multiple fracture of the jaw. And he he was Gordy was having breakfast with him and he said, "That's one powerful thumb you got there, Gordy, that you fractured his <laughs> thumb, or fractured his jaw." So anyway, I was writing about this incident. So I asked Gordy, I said, do you have any memory of why you went after Trump? He goes, oh, yeah, sure. And he said the year before he had been hired, the revenues got knocked out of the playoffs as a color analyst mm -hmm. for, I, I'm assuming, Hockey Night in Canada, but I don't know that to be the case. Right. And he was on the train. They were traveling, and he was watching the Montreal Canadiens play bridge. And he, he commented to Backstrom, that Backstrom had made a nice play, and Trombley had looked up and said, Gordy Howe, what the hell do you know about Bridge? <laughs> oh, oh boy. And that's why he crushed Trombley and broke his jaw in multiple now, places. It was a comment made on a Bridge game. So, you know, hockey was different back in those days. Yeah, just, just yeah. a little bit. No, no, but one, one thing, Kev, that you're right about. Usually the next game, the game that's ballyhooed about, oh, you know, it's going to be 15 rounds of heavyweight bouts, that's not when it happens. I can no. only, I can only remember one instance, and it involved Calgary and the Buffalo Sabers. I think it was 1990 or 91 when when Pat Lafontaine had just come over in the trade from the Islanders, and Jamie McCowan broke his jaw with a with a with a stick across the face. 
and yeah. and the next it was maybe two, three, four weeks later, that game was in Calgary. When Calgary came to Buffalo, me and a couple of friends went to that game with the expectation that something was going to happen, and it was a Pier 6 brawl with, like, Donald Audette fighting Gary Suter. I mean, it was, like, everybody because it was a star player like LaFontaine, and they and they had to – it was sort of the code, okay, you're going to attack our star player. We're going to make sure we get your guys – but very few times do they really do anything that next game when all the attention is on. Well, here's what you could do. You could do what Andy Bathgate did, and because he was a boxer, he got tired of guys like Gordy Howe spearing him, and he wrote an op-ed yeah. in the New York Times about it, and the league did sort of act on it. But Gordy Howe did go into the corner with Andy Bathgate with a spear, and Bathgate's move was he would punch you in the solar plexus, and you would go down. And Gordy Howe had seen that, and he actually got Gordy Howe to back down. Bathgate cursed at him, and he threatened him, and he actually got back. This is Andy Bathgate. Like, you know, you look at Andy Bathgate, and you're expecting the elegant, finesse player, but he learned how to box at a young age, and Gordy was like, yeah, I'm going to – he left him alone after that. Well, and the other reason why it doesn't happen in the next game is usually the supervisor of officials, or right. in a bigger case is Coley Campbell, comes to town, well, goes into the dressing room, and you know tells that guy, "I'm watching you." You know, and if anything happens, you know the suspension's going to be harsher. I mean, that's usually how they prevent it from happening in the next game. And yeah. George, George Peros is going to be at that game. It's on the 29th, I believe. So there you go. Um, I, got, I got two things real quick. Okay, so right. um, kind of interesting. I threw it into the private chat, but I know that I know if you saw it or not. But um, sorry. The um, no problem. So uh, first of all, I wanted to get into um my blog, my blog, but I'm gonna get, and leave that for the end of the show. And that is just for everybody to think out there: is Ovechkin the greatest goal scorer of all time? Which I think is a quick is not is it's getting very contentious in my blog very fast, um, between Bossy and Ovechkin. So we'll get to that in a second. Really, that's the matchup. It's Mike Bossy. That's, yeah, I, I, that's, that's the one. At least I'm sorry, in the blog, in the comments so far. That's well, it's those psychotic Islander fans. That's why. We'll that's get right back to that. Okay. I, I, I guess that, it depends on the definition of best yeah. goal scorer because, you know, the like the greatest goal scorer in terms of how dangerous he was. I I'd say there's no question in my mind that it's actually Mario Lemieux. I, I agree. I like yeah. he he was money like. Uh, on a breakaway, yeah. he was probably a seventy to eighty percent conversion guy. I'm, was, I'm gonna he, go, Bob. I'm gonna go, Bobby Hull. I mean, he oh, was feared yeah. and Bobby Hull. Yeah, but, but Mario had more had more tools than this. He did uh, have more tools. Yeah. I'm talking about just plain old goal scoring. I think if you, if yeah. you go one, if you get get the one on one, like the old one on one arcade game, where you have one forward versus one forward, one goalie versus one goalie, Mario would be the best player out there for sure. There's no. Yeah, player. I mean, he, 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 just, he just could do more. I, you know, again, I'll use my buddy Tom Laylock because I do a podcast with him. But I, I just asked him about. It. He said when he played as a stay-at-home defenseman in his job, he said he feared no man except for Mario. <laughs> um, and he said because Mario could do uh, so much. And oops, oh, we have a guest appearance by one of my dogs. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um, but uh, he, he he just said he, you know, he that Mario was so big and had so many. Uh, tricks that um, it was intimidating uh, to you know to deal with, and you know Hall had a very dynamic, and he was he was probably the scariest scorer because um, you know like Glenn Hall always talked about having to face him in practice because he'd wind up and just rip it. It was just so scary, like you just didn't know. You know, first of all, it was harder than everyone shot, and um, you know they weren't wearing masks, and it yeah. was it was just a 
The other, I mean, the other really is Mario versus these other guys, right? Is that Mario, if you look at like the guys I consider up there, like Mario, you know, I'll give Hall, Hall Ovechkin, yeah, yeah. teaming in. I'm not, 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 I'm not, I'm not teaming in. I mean, um, oh gosh, I get a so much. I'm sorry. No, gosh. Team Mussolini? Yes, thank you. Team Mussolini. Uh, and, and, you know, these, the, all, the, a lot of the, most of those guys, if not all of them, except for Mario that I just mentioned there, are wings, right? Like, so when you think about that, that Mario yes. was a center. Um, yeah, the, the, and the consistency of Bossy, I think that's what everyone's talking about. Just, you know, coming out and just cranking out 50 every year. Well, um, 0.7619 goals per game is Mike Bossy, which is the highest, apparently. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know what? You go look down some of the years as a whole. He had a 26.8 shooting percentage. He had a 20.6. He had high 15s, high 16s. Like that was a, those were years for Bobby Hall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I think there's really no wrong answer on this. No, but, I know. But Ovechkin, uh, you know, when it's, when it's all said and done, it, it could be him. I mean, the thing that's remarkable about him, and I've said this over and over, is that uh, we will respect him. And uh, exalt him more when he's retired. Yeah, I believe that. Um, but you know, he has continually scored fifty goals in the era where we say, "Boy, it's hard to score." Right? Yeah. Boy, yeah. it's hard to score, and he just gets fifty every year. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, that, and that's exactly my point. I mean, I, that's why I do think he is the best. Um, just well, in, in that from the, there's no one else. When you look at what he has done since he's come into the league versus everyone else. In that same period of time, it's it's just ludicrous. Right? Well, like, one, yeah. let me make one more case for Mario because I feel okay. a little strong about Mario, and that is this: about two weeks ago, maybe it was, or correct me if I'm wrong, that video came out that they showed of him being hacked all the way from the red line into oh, the yeah. goal, yeah. and I, I think people counted either six or seven different penalties. Mario played at that time when he was brutalized. Oh yeah, brutalized. Yeah, and he still was a dominant goal scorer. Like right, no, he was definitely in that time. You're not allowed to do to Ovechkin what everybody did to Mario. That's um, true. Yeah, Adam I mean, got even a little bit worse there. Well, not no, Mario played in that. No, Mario played definitely in that dead dead smack in the middle of that time. Oh, no, he talked about it. He that was one of the reasons. Oh, he, yeah, he, he called the garage league and yes. you know. Now, what about Gretzky? Obviously, Gretzky been somewhere around the chat room, fifty goals in thirty nine games. Gretzky, to me, if he wanted to be that the best goal scorer of all time, could he have been? Maybe. Well, I mean, yeah. he, 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 was, for, he was for several years. So he yeah. was dominant. I mean, you know, ninety two goals, and you know, um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And, and you know, Gretzky kind of reminds me of like you know the Will Chamberlain thing. You know, when like the Will mm -hmm. Chamberlain wanted to have the most assists one year and just did that. You know, yeah. like that that was he was Gretzky, Gretzky could almost choose. You know, basically, am I going to have the yeah. most assists? No, no, no. The remarkable thing about Gretzky is the fact, and I'm not even Russ knows I'm not the biggest Gretzky fan, uh, but if that's it's translation it's for you. It's really pretty much. Well, not. Well, me, how, me, could, how could anybody say that's that? what I'm saying? That is not yeah, a thing. No, no, I, I don't even know how you can say that, Mike. It's not like he doesn't just like him; he hates him. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah, he does. But, but, I, but I respect him as a as a great player. But what, <laughs> let me make my point. Yeah. He, he didn't have the greatest shot in the world. He wasn't the fastest skater in the world. Ninety-two goals. I know, Act, but that make that's not you're not letting let me make my point. What I'm saying, you? he scored ninety-two goals, not having the best shot in the league and right. not being the, the the fastest skater in the league. That's incredible that he yeah. was able to do that. Yes, no, that, that's a good. I think he was just flat out the smartest player. I mean, by that was the other thing too. Like he, was, I'm glad I, Gretzky was I, able I, to overcome his shortcomings, though. Well, I, I think that he 
suffers from the fact that he was such an incredible player yeah. that um, we don't think of him as great in any particular category. But um, he may be the smartest player ever. Yeah, he well, for sure he was. He and that that was his game. Is he just played at, in a different dimension? Like he was, playing, he was playing three dimensional chess, and the rest of the, rest of the right. players were playing checkers. See, you know? I, I, I can I can successfully separate emotion from from looking at things logically. No, although, no, although no. Mike, it, it is really a ludicrous statement <laughs> to say that you don't. Uh, I forgot how you phrased it, but the way you phrased it, it was ludicrous. You know? <laughs> like, like, you know, that's just like saying, uh, you know, Mickey Mantle. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I love like, retired Kevin. You know. <laughs> the focus yeah. off of me onto something no. yeah. oh, yes that, let me do that but i mean this debate is going on in, the, in my comments so you can still have your comments yeah. on i definitely I'm, I'm i'm all for i mean i'm just throwing my susans out i really do think it's ovechkin and i think what's interesting kevin about you said and i want to move on after this but i do think what you said that we'll revere him more when he's gone is absolutely true but the interesting thing about that is what he does when he leaves could also play into that because if he leaves he early and goes back to Russia, yeah, you know, which could happen, I think, um, and plays in Russia and then becomes the czar of Russian hockey forever, which I think is why where he's gonna happen. You know that he will take over Fatisov's job or whoever has yeah. that now, Pavel Bure. I'm not sure who has that job, but becomes the czar of Russian hockey, which is where Ovechkin is. Let's admit, I mean, that's a, that's Ovechkin's destiny, right? That's that's there's no two ways about that. I mean, his friends with his his, his, his connections with the government over there. He's the hockey. He's their best hockey player, probably of all. Or, or will he replace Putin? Uh, yeah, he could. Putin will be czar for life, and then Ovechkin will move in. When probably the only one who can beat him. <laughs> well, yeah. I will say this: Ovechkin won't let Putin score on him, though. Let's, right. let's say, I, I don't think they'll be, he'll be using the term czar because we know what happens in Russia to czars. Yeah. Um, okay. Now. Okay. So the other thing, Mike, can I do the other uh, thing? Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, and then we can move. I'm sorry. I want to just get these two things out. No, no, it might be the same thing. But go ahead. I'm going to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Okay. I don't know if that's what you're going to talk about. Probably not. <laughs> so, um, because people usually don't talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets, but I mean, Aaron Portsline today nailed it. You know, from from December eighth to today, the Blue Jackets are thirteen two and four, mm -hmm. right? Which is the best record in the NHL in that period of time. And then maybe the even more remarkable thing, and this is not for Portsline, but this is just I saw this on Reddit and I thought this was fascinating that the Blue Jackets currently are ahead of all three teams they lost those big players to in free agency. Think about that for a second. So. They lose. They lose Bobrovsky to Florida. They're ahead of Florida. They lose. They lose Panarin to the Rangers. They're ahead of the Rangers. They lose Duchesne to Nashville. They're ahead of Nashville as far as you know points go. That's incredible. I mean, let's just let's just throw that out there because I mean, this, remember that how much heat that team was getting for for the moves they were making last year to go for it in the playoffs, and that's going to kill them, and they'll never be able to be good again. I, I love it. I love the fact that they did it. I knew they they did it at the time because they had such a strong group of young kids coming up, and they knew it. They knew that they knew Elvis was going to be good. They didn't know. I mean, is he going to be this good? Is he, you know, he's a rookie who knows he could be having an incredible, he's on an unbelievable streak right now, but they knew that they could afford to lose. They weren't going to go over. They weren't going to throw Bobrovsky all that money because they, they had enough confidence in him. Um, and they had such a good team in, in Cleveland that I think in, in, you know, for their farm team, this is an incredible story. I mean, and it's, it's, it is not, it is obviously in Columbus, you know, and that's, it's not going to get much, much hoopla for that. The only thing I would have is I think they lucked into Elvis a little for this year because Corpusalo was the guy slated. And then when he got injured, they yeah. had to use Elvis and he's come up massive. 
Yeah, and he, he started out slowly. Well, I'll just repeat what I said about him the last time we talked about him. Um, it, it's John Tortorella, John Tortorella, yeah. John Tortorella. Yeah. Right. Like he's the perfect coach for this team. Yep. I, you know, it's, this is not based on anything, but I yeah. think he likes this team yeah. better than any team he's ever coached. I think the players there appreciate Tortorella. They like being hard to play against. They like how demanding Tortorella is. And although he's tough on them, I think it it feels like love to the players. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. they, I think they somehow see him differently. Um, and uh, I think also that the fact that they lost all those players, that was sort of a rallying cry. Yeah. And they've kind of gotten excited about it. And uh, um, and I think the, the, the depth there was greater than anyone realized. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, because it, it, it look at the players they've lost this year in injury. Uh, Injury-wise, they've been, they've been devastated. They had like eight yeah. players injured, but drafting, development, they've been able to use they players. Like, and they, so well. they, they've yeah. guys have filled in tremendously. But Torts gets – he definitely gets the nod. Yeah. You know, he gets to say, look, we all counted him out, right? Teams like coach of the year right now. We all counted him out. Is he the Adams winner right now? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'd want to think about it a little bit, but um, I would say yes. Um, But but, but I'll I'll, I'll quibble with you here about, you know, I, 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 Mm -hmm. till my dying day, I'll believe that what Columbus did last year was stupid. Uh, they, you know they got they want to they want to play off round they maybe they needed to do that but I I just I don't believe in in selling like they did uh, to to get players who they knew weren't going to stay there I give Tortorella all the credit in the world but Russ and I have been talking about this on the Buzzcast they're doing it with with patchwork guys like Nathan Gerby and Eric Robinson and they, it's the it's not like they've brought up tons of talent from Cleveland yeah, but whenever we talk patchwork just look at the friggin um, yeah, but they're, you know, they're, they're Vegas Golden Knights I mean they were a patchwork Stanley Cup final well, that's that, that, that's exactly my point they're doing what Vegas did uh in their Stanley Cup final year they're doing what Carolina what Carolina did during the playoffs last year plugging in guys like Greg McKagan calling up guys from Charlotte in the middle of the Calder Cup playoffs to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs it's a it's possible to win I'll, that way. I'll give you a good example, though. They've they've identified players for roles like Eric Robinson, Absolutely. Robert. I covered him in Princeton, yep. and he showed really good speed there. He's like a six foot two guy. He can penalty kill, yeah. and he's just he plays hard minutes, right? And so that for Torts, that's a great player. He doesn't even care how many points Eric Robinson put us up. He likes everything else he does, yeah. and if he gets enough of those guys, Torts can you know make you a winner. I'm going to say what I said last year about this too, and it's a column that I wrote. I I thought it was the right thing to move. You know, you can't make a blanket statement like you did, Mike, with regard to, you know, I, that yeah. you're against that sort of thing yeah. because you're not sitting in Kekalainen's chair. That's true. And the Columbus Blue Jackets situation was unique mm-hmm. in that they um, had started out as an expansion team and had huge popularity. And then slowly and gradually that had eroded to the point where the fan base had zero trust in this organization and they didn't care. Like in Columbus, they didn't care anymore about the team. They had to do something. They had to not only get into the playoffs, they had to win a playoff round. That was so important to them that I thought it was worth the risk. And I think it may not have been for other franchises, depending yeah. on their circumstances, but for the Blue Jackets, it was the right move at the right time. Right. And I, if I was them, I would say, you know, I would have done it again anyway just to win that one round. Yeah. Because the fans need that. And you already sense that now yeah. this season in terms of 
the way the fans now feel about the Blue Jackets. There's a belief there now that didn't exist a year ago. Uh, Sweeping Tampa Tampa last year is not winning the Stanley Cup, but it's frigging close. Like it, that, that, that was an unbelievable. I mean, for, for the for the fans of Columbus, that is, well, that is their, part, sure. yeah. that's their Stanley Cup so far, right? That is their it's like winning the Chico Cup back. I'm gonna say moment. I mean, that is crazy, and I think that, and and honestly, I wrote the same kind of article last year, Kevin, because when I talked to people out there, they said, "Yeah, this is would be crazy, Mike." Like you're saying, it would be crazy for most teams to do this, but we know what we have, we know what's coming up, and we know what we're gonna get, and we know what these guys are actually worth and they have they had their own opinions on guys like Dzingle. they had their own opinions on people that they brought in they wanted to see what Duchesne was about they i think they did intend to try to they wanted to keep Duchesne. they, they want i mean they wanted to keep Panarin they went hard to keep Panarin there's no two ways about it but you know when they don't get them it could have fallen apart but the, the fact of the matter is that that winning that Tampa series kept it together and without so they were going to in their minds they were going to lose Panarin Mabrowski no matter what they did so why not try to do something great? Because at least then you can make when your season ticket holder, season ticket sales staff is, is calling somebody up and saying, "Hey, you know, we need to." At least then you can do something with it, right? Like at least yeah. then they can say, "We won this." I know we lost Benari and Barowski, but we we beat Tampa in the first round. That and, they, otherwise they don't have that. And and don't make any mistake. I think Yarmo is going to add at the deadline this year because yeah. he sees an opportunity. But because yeah. they traded so many draft picks and the deals that they had to do last year, they may have to make more more hockey type deals. The one name that I heard has some interest out there that they'd be willing to move out is Josh Anderson. He's been hurt for uh, a little under a month, but yeah, um, I, think I, think he, so. I think he's a, he's a, he's an RFA at the end of the year and and they had a difficult time signing them the last time. So if they're looking to add something that might be somebody who they move out in. A I don't think they will just from my, my brief, I, I, they really think he is an underrated player in the NHL. I mean, they, they know well, he's hard to find, but at the same time, they think he's a potential star that people don't. Well, I mean, he may be a potential star, but when you have four points in 26 games and then you get hurt. I oh mean, yeah. No, this year. Yeah, I mean, anything can change, but yeah. One last thing here, Mike. I'm going to show you this. This everybody, everyone, everybody's opinion on this one. Um, Idiots. The Colorado Avalanche jerseys here for the um, for the for the stadium series. Yeah, it's weird because it almost looks like when you put the three together, it makes one logo. That's what's weird about this picture. Yeah, I like it. It, it is not flattering. Yeah. No, I do. I, I, I like when teams try something different. Like we've seen how many times we've seen, like I was, I got, frankly was getting a little bit sick of like kind of what Nashville did of, of everybody going back to like, you know, an old, like, you know, yeah, throwbacks. throwbacks. I want to see, I wanted, I mean, I would have loved it. Totally loved it. If they could have worn the Colorado Rockies jerseys. That would have been something that I would have been all about. Like that would have been something to remember, obviously, the Colorado Rockies, you know, franchise is still in existence. But hey, it's worked with Nashville and Nash. I mean, it's worked with Winnipeg and Phoenix. They've done it. Um, you know, when Winnipeg's wearing their own jerseys, but um, even though you know the old Colorado Rockies are now the New Jersey Devils, but I think that this would. Like, I love the Rockies' old jersey. I think the Colorado State flag and the the big C thing is one of the coolest things on yeah, that might be a marketing problem because they don't, I don't think they, I don't think they own the, yeah, I don't, I don't think they could have done it either. Yeah. But that state, I mean, they, they could have used that C and there's certain things they could have done, but I like, it's a mountain. It's an A it's a lot of things at once. You know, I think it's kind of cool. It is trying to do a lot for sure, but well, I'm gonna, I, think, I think, I think the Oakland A should wear this during the summer. But what I also like about this is everyone hates it. So the fact of that matter is that, you know, well, I, 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 I like want to do for $25 in three months, you know, 
and because no one was going to want it. But I, they look, I they, to me, they look like high school band uniforms. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> honestly, yeah. I think they're terrible. I can see that a little bit. I can. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, Kev. So the last since the last time we talked, uh, Gerard Gallant, stunning, gets fired in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I thought. I heard somebody say that they were uh, well, Christine Simpson from Sportsnet apparently was doing a story on a story on Vegas and she was looking at the Vegas website and saw Pete DeBoer as the new head coach and thought that the Vegas website had been hacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You got it at the right time. I know. I heard I heard about this too. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just stunning. Uh, you know, when you think about the relationship that Gallant had, yeah. like he seemed uh um, you know, perfect for that team and you know, what I really like about him I you know, I just remember uh, uh, during the playoffs when I covered him the year they the season they went to the final. I saw a lot of their games, and he was in a post game, and someone was asking about the power play. It had been on a slump, and he said, "You know, I know you guys are going to ask me that, and I know that we haven't scored, but you know." And I looked at the analytics numbers and all that, but when I watch him, I just like I, it just feels like we're doing the right things, and and I just thought, God, I got to admire that guy. And lo and behold, over the next three or four games. You know, it, they started scoring him, and he was absolutely right. I, I think he has a good feel. I think he's a player's coach, and I think when a team struggles and you're a player's coach, you're you're, you're kind of on the hot seat, and I, I, I'm just guessing that's kind of what happened to him, that they felt like they needed a tougher, you know, coach because he really believes in his guys, and, um, you know, he won't be out of work long. Um, well, that, that was my next question, yeah. and Russ, uh, if – you know, I want to get your opinion. No, no, I mean, he's not going to be out of work long. He he will definitely get a job. Right. Uh, I mean, what's interesting is we had this debate, and Kevin, you really would be great for this. We had this debate after it happened about, about you know, the Detroit Red Wings and him. And, like, the concept of, okay, you know, and people were saying, oh, he wouldn't go to Detroit because it's too big of a rebuild. And I was saying, well, I, you can't diminish the fact he played there, the fact that Iserman's there, his old line mate's there. Um well, I, I, this is all I can tell you about that um, yeah. because uh, Eisenman plays the close to the best. Uh, Eisenman does love Gerard Gallant. You know, they were buddies. Gerard Gallant protected him. He yeah. uh, did everything. You know, he went in the corners for him and all that kind of stuff. But just last week in one of the strangest displays I've seen in a long time, uh, Steve Eisenman did an interview with Ken Cal, the radio guy, now, not Fox TV, even though it appeared on Fox TV. He did it with the team radio guy, Ken Cal, in which he came on and explained what he was thinking for um, the prospects that are down in the minors in terms of when they're going to be out. And he basically said Jeff Blaschel is doing, I think it was either he said exceptional or extraordinary job. Hmm. And um, I've sensed since season ticket renewals are due this week that it was done, it was sort of ordered by above right, that he right. knew that so that fans would have a, a general idea of what was going to happen because there's been huge speculation about how you know Blashill needed to go. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Steve Eisman feels that way. And he seemed a little angry when he was doing the uh, the it seemed to me anyway when he was doing that, and so wow. it doesn't seem to me like he's going to make a change uh, this year. Now, right? Um, you know, it, we, we all have been around long enough to know that anything could happen. So, and then the other thing is, is that I had a GM tell me that Gerard Gallant is not the uh, best guy for a rebuilding team. Like they, he, he said, I love the guy, but he mm -hmm. said I'm not sure that you know Gallant is a guy for a veteran. Uh, team he felt uh, a better fit. And he said, I'm not sure 
Gallant is wired to come in there with, you know, eight guys who have, haven't been in the league. And, uh, you know, uh, it, yeah. he doesn't think that he could do the best with that situation. Well, the, the chatter, the chatter was apparently that Dallas might've been interested in Gallant. They, they were interested in the past in Gallant. Yeah. Uh, and, but, uh, yesterday, uh, Jim Nill came out and guaranteed Rick bonus, uh, the head coaching job for the rest of the season. So, that would lend itself that uh, it's not going to be Dallas unless Gallant. Well, unless Gallant said, I want to take the rest of the season off. Right. Exactly. But look at this. Cause if you remember the debate we had the other day yeah. and I'll ask Kevin what he would do, but if you had a choice, Kevin, between Dallas or Detroit, if you were Gerard Gallant, which yeah. would you pick? And I said, it's going to be Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because I, 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 the thing about it is the rebuild in Detroit is at a point now where you're not even sure it's going to be successful. Right. That, that, that's the issue. Like but in X, some cases, X disagreed. X I mean, thought it would be Detroit. I said it. I, I didn't say it would be Detroit. To be fair, I said I, I said I don't know why. I don't. I don't. I said you got to give Detroit more credit in this because of what has happened. I think that it's possible that it's Detroit. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a slam dunk when it, between those two teams. I, I, I'd have to say it's a slam dunk. Okay. Because they got Dallas. You know, has Bishop. They're contending. Yeah. Um. You know, where Detroit, they don't have the one guy that you're wowed about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like like when, you know, before people were saying when even Edmonton was terrible. Yeah, but they got Connor McDavid and Dryson. Right. You can't I, say I, that about Detroit. Right. Kevin, I said I said that Detroit might have a chance if they win the lottery and they're drafting Alexis Lafreniere. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a good point. But I watched a little bit of that CHL uh, All Star, and I thought, boy, um, you know, fans in Detroit are just they got all their hopes pinned to getting. You know, the worst they can be is fourth. And I looked at him, boy, I, you know, I don't know. You know, you know like yeah. uh, uh, I don't I don't see another Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, well, I think Lafreniere could be. Oh, Lafreniere is, is top. But I think there seems to be a fall off for me from one to two. I so, think, yeah, there's a fall off. But Byfield's a really good player. Like, he's yeah, no, really no, he's, he's good, but. Um, Big guy, right? He, so like did, he did not have the best game yesterday. That's no, I, I barely game. noticed him. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that if you're Seattle, you're nuts not to bring in Gallant. Um, I know that's my opinion. Like, if well, you, they have to get a name first. I think they need a name, and then they can get a coach. Well, I, I, there's one. I mean, I mean, it makes perfect sense for Gallant yeah. to go there. But does Gallant want to do that again? Uh, you, you know, you're right, and I thought that too because I mean, if you're Gallant, you're like, wow, I really did that once, and uh, you know, that honestly, of course, he's gonna, he's Gallant's smart enough to know that it's not all him. That <laughs> he knows that 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 team was amazing, and that he did a great job with it. But then it, that there's other things that happened there for 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 Vegas to be that good. Like he's. When are we getting a name for Seattle? I'm getting tired of this. I still want the Kraken. I'm all for the Kraken, but I don't think it's gonna be. I, I, think it's, I, want, I want to tell you tell you all though that I averted catastrophe and disaster while this is going on here because I <laughs> I just rescued my American Express card from my baby Pitbull who was already <laughs> half of my MasterCard. Fantastic. So, yeah, but I, I have it on I, I have it on my table. Like I ordered airline tickets today. So I had it sitting on my table and I knocked it off. And wherever she is, she made a beeline for it and I snatched it out of her mouth. See uh, I have to- a great story for you guys along those lines. Ready for this? All right. So so yeah, so we um, we're cutting back a little bit, trying to like you know save some money. My daughter's going to college, so, like so we so I I'm, we traded one of our cars, and I got a I, I got myself a used car, like a you know like a good used car, kind of car I always wanted. Um, I actually always wanted a Honda Element, 
I like them. I think they're cool. Yeah, those are good. They're nice cars. I like those. Yeah, you can, you can lay the seats down. You can camp in them. They're really, really cool. So I got a Honda Element 2004 car. It's like it's old, 200,000 miles, but it's in great shape. No, so, they run forever, those cars. Yeah, and it's I love it. The doors are – it's really cool. So I'm driving home. Um, yeah, two day, two days ago, I, I park it. I'm like, yeah, my wife's like, oh, great. You got a car. I'm like, yeah, I think this is going to be perfect for us. Cause you know, I'm alone tooling around and stuff like that. I wanted my daughter to have a car in college that she would be safe with and all that stuff, which is, so she's taking one of our other safer cars. So, and then, so this, so that night my wife, cause, and they gave me like six keys with the car, right? So they gave me six keys with it. Sorry about the story, but it's really hilarious. So she, that night after I go to sleep, my wife decides that she's like, oh, there's six keys. She goes out and says, some of these keys don't work in the door. You know, she's like, she's trying to, she's, and I, I said, they said some of them might not work, but they just gave me all the keys. Cool. <laughs> so she takes the keys that don't work opening the door and, um, and throws them out. That's, you know, and then I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I, I said, I don't, and I say to her, I'm like, wait a second, you really shouldn't throw keys out. I think that seems like a bad idea. She said, well, they don't work in the door. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Turns out the Honda Element has a set of keys for the door and a set of keys for the car <laughs> to turn the car on. All right. So she threw away all of my ignition keys. Right. <laughs> so, I, um, so, so the next morning I get up and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going out. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And I'm like, Oh man, the ignition keys, none of these car, none of these keys are left. Oh, turn the car on. I'm like, what the hell? You know, like Ugh, such a hassle. I drove two and a half hours with this car the other day. Um, I, I go inside and realize that, not only did she throw out the keys, she took the trash out that day on Thursdays, which we never do because we hardly have any trash. And the trash had been taken away. <laughs> so I have like I'm I'm sitting now at home without it without keys to the car at all. Oh man, it's great, wonderful. It's and fun, she's you know, literally and, a rocket scientist, right? That's the oh yeah, you know, she's a PhD, and um, she so pisses herself. And I was like, literally, you get the moment you get so angry, and then you just can't help but laugh at the same time. It's like I am so angry. <laughs> Uh, let's let's finish. Anyway, off. I just wanted to say it's just, it was just just calm my mind. It's kind of crazy. Keep on, Mike. Going. No, let, let's, let's say let's finish off on a rumor yeah. here or on some uh, trade speculation. Uh, last night, uh, uh, Darren Drager of TSN talked about the Edmonton Oilers looking for a top six forward, and that they were perusing the Maple Leafs for uh, either Casper Kapanen, Andreas Janssen, or Alex Kerfoot. All of them in the $3 million range, yeah. all of them locked up for three or four years, which makes sense. It's cost certainty. They're all talented forwards. I look at the Oilers and I look at their depth, Kev, and they had their two best prospects are Broberg, their first round pick from last year, and Evan Bouchard, who I think is going to be a very good NHL defenseman. And I look at the Leafs and I look at their situation defensively and the fact that the guy that they would desperately want played for Sheldon Keefe and played for Kyle Dubas in Sault Ste. Marie, and his name is Darnell Nurse. And there, they, there's been talk about them trying to get him signed on a long-term deal. He's arbitration eligible. Um, to me, that kind of deal makes a lot of sense, especially if they can't get Nurse signed long-term. But Edmonton is their defense. Their problems are defense too, at least in my. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a hard one for them to make. Yeah, because of that, I I see it from your perspective. I do, but um, you know they got that's you know what you have here. Two teams that are both you know with the same issues. Yeah. So, uh, although the Oilers have a secondary issue, which is you know they need secondary scoring. So yeah, so, I, I, I it, it, you know what the Brendan Dillon's name keeps coming up too. Obviously, um, 
He's going to be hot on the trade market. Everybody likes yeah. him. So, by the way, can we get? Can everyone spell Brendan the same way in the future? Like, oh. way we can. Is the one name <laughs> Brendan with an E? Like, you got to look it up every time you're right, Brendan. You got to look it up. Yeah, it makes yeah. It, it's funny the players that I can spell really well whose names are terrible because they've been on the trade deadline trade. Like I can spell I can spell Dustin Bufflin, no problem whatsoever. I can spell Galchenyuk, no problem whatsoever. How about Riley with the I E instead oh, of yeah, yeah. And, and you know Austin Matthews was a weird one at first, but I got that one. Um, but yeah, this one Brendan Dylan, <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a he's a hot name out there, but. And I talked to some people about it the other day, and I haven't put him on the rumor chart yet. People were asking me why I hadn't put him on the rumor chart yet. And I know he's going to be a hot name. I agree with you, Kevin. But I, what I couldn't find out from at least my San Jose people is if they were really selling, like if they or or if they still felt like they had a chance here. Well, I think they right now they feel like they have a chance, but let's yeah. see how it feels. Yeah, like. I think I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. So it's hard to put him on there yet because I don't think I don't think it's in there. It's in Doug Wilson's world wheelhouse right now. Like I think that he, and, and you know whether or not it, it does become that eventually or not, and um, which bring, brings brings up the Galchenyuk too. I read about yesterday, and he's another one who, you know, people are talking about another one. I can't put on the chart because I'm really having a I'm really talking to people out there, and they're like, there's nobody who really trusts enough to take Galchenyuk. Yeah, no, they don't want him. Yeah, no, it's I think that it's there's fairness to that, uh, but right. this takes one. I think somebody will take him. Yeah, you know, because yeah. there's talent there, there's skill. You always want to believe that you know you've got the people that can bring the most out of the yeah. you know um you know there's always teams like Lou Lamarillo was always a guy that liked to take the reclamation projects yeah. you know so as did Brian Burke right in his day too yeah no that's but, right um, all right, I guess that's all the time we have for today folks um everybody thanks Kevin so much for joining us um everybody have a fantastic weekend um we're getting um, quick quick predictions I on the football. Oh, yeah, because I got three or four right last week. Everyone was telling me, yeah, I was dead on, right? I'll go Kansas City and San Francisco. What do you think, Kev? Uh, I'm a Green Bay guy. So, Kansas, Kansas City, Green Bay? So, State I'm, will be very happy. I'm Tennessee and Green Bay. And, uh, the exact opposite of me. <laughs> what? The exact opposite of me. Exactly the opposite of you. But I had Tennessee last week, too. I'm staying on this Tennessee bandwagon. Okay. I think it's I think it sucks that you know you don't you can't have like a Super Bowl in in Nashville. That would be fantastic. Anyway, well, you could um, have one. It just yeah, not this year. Yeah, yeah, just not now, right? No. All right, folks. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.